You're tuned into Bible Snacks. Not the full meal, just a spiritual snack for on the go. When you think of Chicago, what is the food that comes to mind? Deep dish pizza. Yes, Chicago deep dish pizza. It's what I've always wanted. I've heard about it, never experienced it for myself. And you and I... We're on our little road trips we do, and we we go into cities and we like we see what we want to see and we get out. So we got to Chicago, went up in the Sears Tower, and then it was time to leave because we had to get to the next city. But we can't leave Chicago without getting our deep dish pizza. And we heard that the place across the street had the infamous deep dish pizza. So right. sweet, we'll order this for the road and eat it in the car on the way to our next place. Uh, but what happened? Yeah, so we asked the locals, and they were like, you got to go to this place. Okay, must be pretty good. And it was because when we called, they said it's an hour wait. Yeah. And we didn't have an hour. An hour wait for a pizza. An hour. Well, it was so good. I mean, obviously, we asked the locals, <laughs> where, should, where should we go? And they said, where everybody else goes. And that was an hour wait. So... We looked at our watch and we said, there is no way that's going to work. We we can't wait an hour for pizza. We got to get out of here. Yeah, I don't know much about Chicago, but I mean, any big city, I think about traffic. And I know going in, it was this massive highway, like 12 lanes across. Yeah. It was huge. And it's like, if if we wait another hour, we are going to hit peak rush hour. And it's going to delay our trip by a while trying to get out of here. So we got to, we, we got to go. And we were like, but no deep dish pizza. We came out here for that, but oops, bad time management got a roll. So we get on the highway and I remember the turn over to you being like, wow, their, their rush hour is really not that bad here. Maybe it's because they have all these lanes, all those empty, lanes like we were the only one on the road yeah i remember very clearly that we were driving through this city on our way out and a business had a clock outside of it you know like on one of their um marquees marquees. and we looked at it or maybe i did and then looked over the dash and i asked what time is it really do you remember that that's how we realized that they were an hour behind what our clock was set to yeah so the reality is we could have waited an hour for this pizza and been in the same position we thought we were in now yeah (laughs) we had not changed the clocks we were still living on east coast time and so we were we were an hour off yeah so we what ended up making us leave the city Mm -hmm. time is what could have given us the pizza the time we were misjudging we thought we needed to get out of there because you know it's five o'clock let's get out rush hour is gonna hit like any minute so then we get on the road we're headed on the way out and by this point there was no turning around it would have been way too late by that point for sure yeah on the real time yeah way too late and uh so we missed something that we truly wanted because of time but in reality we had it we could have we just we just didn't know it right because we were off we were too focused on the wrong thing that we missed the time 
So what is the moral of this story? Don't let time restrict you. We get so focused on something, so consumed with something, like in this case, we got to go rush hour, now is the time, that we really missed mm-hmm. slowing down and evaluating the situation and seeing, hey, what what what's going on? Right. Yeah, it's easy just in anything in life to get wrapped up in the time. Either there's not enough of it or time goes by too fast, um, you know, or I need to hurry up and get something done because time's ticking and I'm not getting younger. You know, we hear it a lot with, oh, need to get married. I need to buy a house. We need mm-hmm. to start a family. Yeah. I got to retire. My time's running out or whatever. Um, but yeah, we really wanted to focus on some biblical examples on time. Because the other thing, yeah, people say there's not enough time or it's not the right time. And that's when a lot of people tell you it's never going to be the right time to start a family or the right time to buy a house or the right time to get married. (laughs) The right time to get deep dish pizza would have been when we were were standing in front of the restaurant. But that's neither here nor there. We will go to Chicago again someday, maybe. One day. One day. <laughs> well, I, um, the story I was looking at in the Bible is actually in 1 Samuel chapter 13, and it's where King Saul um, had to wait for the prophet Samuel to come and offer the sacrifice for God's blessing for them to go to war mm-hmm. to defeat the Philistines. Wow. And he got impatient because he was explicitly told, wait seven days and Samuel will show up and offer the sacrifice and you go to war. Seven days came, he wasn't there yet. Now seven days went over, he said seven days, but Saul got impatient because he saw what was going on around him, that the troops were scattering and they were setting, they were getting their defenses ready. He's like, we gotta move now, we have to go now. And Samuel wasn't there yet. And so King Saul was like, step aside, I'm gonna do what's right, offer the sacrifice so we can get going. And he did that explicitly against the command of the prophet, which the prophet's speaking for God. So it's going against what what God wanted him to do. And it had some deep consequences for him. In fact, that was really what moved God to say, you're not going to continue on the throne. I'm going to put a man after my own heart because Saul was disobedient and that was his nature. And he was like, nah, you can't be king anymore. Not with that attitude. Right. So there was a huge element of patience involved with the story of King Saul. You know, if God's, if God's telling you it's not time or you got to wait, um, best to listen to that. <laughs> so the question here is, do you think that Samuel arrived an hour later? I think so. I think he had arrived. That's my guess. I mean, the scripture might tell us, but I think he showed up right after the sacrifice. I mean, saying it to be funny to tie into our story, but at the same time, how often is it that we make a move and God says, it's it's right here. It's this close. But, you know, we don't, we don't see it. Actually, one of the stories that I was reading about, because there's, there's plenty of examples of patience Mm -hmm. throughout the Bible and time. But this one is actually really, um, interesting to dive into. And it's found in John chapter five and verses one through 15. The story starts about, uh, Jesus and the disciples. They're in Jerusalem and there's this pool of water 
uh, the, the pool of Bethesda. And the story is that an angel would come down one time a year and would stir the waters. And mm. those who were around this pool, they would go to the water and one would be healed, the first one to get in. Right. So we read the story of the man who couldn't walk. And he's at this pool and Jesus comes by and he says, you know, he starts talking to him and the man says, I have nobody here to help me get into the water when the water begins to to stir. What I want people to realize is this man was there for 38 years. So I want to talk about time. Yes, that is a long time. But furthermore, he was stuck. Yeah, he couldn't move in this time. And it wasn't until God said, okay, now is the time. This angel came and stirred the waters, but it wasn't his time. He couldn't do anything. And he said to himself, I can't move. <laughs> yeah. I can't do anything in my own strength. And Jesus came and he said, now is the time, basically, that you're going to be healed. But he had nobody to pick him up and walk him to the waters. No, but it didn't matter because Jesus had to just command him to stand up and walk. And in verse eight, it says, and Jesus said unto him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. Boom. And then in verse 10 is when we have the Jews, the guys you know, uh. that were following Jesus around, his little haters. They came to this man after he had been healed. Mm -hmm. And verse 10 says, the Jews therefore said unto him that was healed, it is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. It's funny because the one thing that they say is it's not lawful for you to carry your bed to a lame man. They had to have known him. <laughs> they didn't pay attention to the miracle that had right. taken place. They were only focused on the wrong that he was doing at the time. And um, totally ignore the fact that this is a guy that couldn't walk that's right. carrying his right. bed. <laughs> And furthermore, in the next verse, the man responds and he says, he that made me whole the same said unto me, take up thy bed and walk. So that is kind of that little nice nasty that, you know, when you're trying to, to get a point across in a passive aggressive kind of way, I mean, maybe he wasn't trying to be, but he was proving his point. The man that made me whole, let me start with that. He told me to take up my bed and walk. So they were just so focused on this bed that yeah. he was carrying this bed. They weren't focused on he that made me whole. It was his time that God had said, all right, now is the time. After 38 years, you've sat, you've waited. Now take up your bed and walk. So his focus was on he that made him whole. Mm -hmm. God, Jesus. That's, exactly. that's where his focus was. That's the guy that gave me the ability to walk. And that's the guy that told me I could pick up my mat. Exactly. So the point is, don't let time restrict you. Because he mm -hmm. didn't say, like, uh, 38 years later, I better be able to pick up my bed and walk or anything. He wasn't focused on the time. He was focused on what had restricted him no longer was. Mm -hmm. He that made me whole. Yes. And King Saul was focused on the time, as in, we got to go. It's time to go to war. They're going to come after us. I can't wait any longer. He was not focused mm -hmm. on the one that had the ability to give him the power to win the war. And so he went ahead of God, and that was disobedient. So one of the one of the biggest struggles um, I hear from people is just discerning the will of God and figuring out, well, what is it that God wants me to do right now, today, next week, this year, the rest of my life? And it gets overwhelming. And I think you just covered it all about 
not focusing on time, but focusing on the one who has the power to work in you. And if your focus is on him, then he will work everything out in his perfect timing, exactly what, where you need to be and when. Um, but sometimes it's easy to let our flesh get in the way and just get focused on the time. And, um, the verse that really goes along with that is first Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Mm. But the key there is just being focused on the work of the Lord, focused on him and being steadfast, abounding in what he wants you to do. And if you're doing that, everything else will work itself out. Right. Exactly. It is about glorifying God in the meantime. That is <laughs> <There> you <key>. go. <laughs> nice wordplay. I yeah, see what you did exactly. there. Exactly. Exactly. Don't let time restrict you because you have plenty of meantime. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I only have one question for you. Do pizza? we have time to go get a deep dish pizza tonight? Yes. <laughs>